Well, good morning, Oakwood. Glad you're here this morning, and uh, we're in a series called Uncensored Truth, just straight-up biblical truth about things like God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're here for today, part three of this series, uh, the Holy Spirit of God, learning more about, about Him. Uh, if you uh, want to follow along this morning, I invite you to get on our app. Uh, you can just, if you don't have it yet, you can just search Oakwood Enid in either the App Store or Google Play Store, download the app, and if you go to Sermons, and then go to Sermon Notes, it'll be, it'll be right there uh, for you. Uh, wanted to just start out this morning by just talking a, a little bit about challenges in life, because I think that we all can attest to that we go through some challenges, that life is not always easy, it's not always the way we thought it should be. Um, that happened to me this week, I came in Tuesday morning uh, to the office and I thought, man, it's going to be a great day, I'm going to get the sermon done early this week, everything's going to be great, I'm going to work on it this morning, work on it that afternoon. And uh, I remember checking my email before I was diving into it and I got an email from our preschool director, uh, Lori Giesling, and in her email it says, hey, there's a carpet wet outside my door in the hall, and I don't, I don't know where it's coming from. It's kind of in a weird spot, and just wanted you to be aware of it. So I walked over there, because I'm thinking there's a, a water fountain right outside her office. I'm thinking, oh, the water fountain you know, might be leaking there, but it was actually across the hall from the water fountain. And I was like, there's no pipes in this wall here. Where is this water coming from? So uh, we turned off the water lines, and after doing a little bit of research, we found the water was actually coming up from underneath the church. Now, if you were here uh, January, February of 2016, you know we replaced two main lines to the building because they broke underneath the building in that similar area. Well, this is not the same break because we have those lines coming in and then they went up and went overhead. Uh, but somewhere in the old 1978 copper in the junctions where everything meet up down there, it broke again. So we had water coming up in the hallway and, you know, what do you do? Do you drill a big hole there? We got VBS this week. We need... We need the bathrooms to work for the preschoolers and for the uh, nursery. Praise the Lord. We've got to have water. Um, so if you are a contractor type or whatever, uh, you'll know what I mean by this, but we took everything overhead. So literally all of our fixtures and everything that, that we have over in the old part of the building now has gone overhead through pecs in the attic, and we are just bypassing all of that. Um, don't ask me how much it's going to cost. I have no idea. But I'll just tell you, Friday when I came in, there were six plumbing trucks here. Okay, and all those people like to get paid a paycheck for their work. So uh, we don't know what it's going to cost, but it's just been, it's been incredible for facilities. And we have incredible facilities, but, you know, we have to keep those up and things like this happen. But it's a challenge. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's, it was a challenge. It has been, it has been a stressful uh, week. You know, we, uh, we, we have plans in our mind of how things are going to go in life. And then sometimes it just, it just being honest, it just doesn't go that way. It goes a completely different way. As we face these challenges, you know, sometimes we rise to the occasion and sometimes we get a little beat down, maybe a little worn out. Maybe that's how you feel this morning. Some of you may come in here a little worn out this morning because of maybe it's age. Maybe it's your, your body is wearing out. Um, it's, a health, it's a health issue for you. Some of us maybe are worn out um, because we've, we've longed to have children, we've longed to have a family, and we haven't been able to do that. For some of you, you've longed to be married, and, and singleness has is, is proven to be tough. Some of you have some major drama going on with your teenager right now. There's tension in the home, there's yelling and fighting and door slamming and rebellion, and it, it starts to wear on you a little bit. Some of you, that drama is maybe in your marriage, and you're, you're trying to make it work out, but you're 
you're running out of patience and maybe you're running out of hope. Sometimes you just feel like leaving. Some of you are dealing with tension in friendships and maybe at work you're, you know, you're trying to tiptoe around certain people, navigate, stay out of trouble. Some of you are being taken advantage at your job and you really don't know what to do about it. And you're having a hard time figuring out, do I, do I stay, do I quit, do I talk to my boss? And, and some of you, you may just feel like you're having a bad plumbing day. <laughs> maybe a, a bad plumbing week. <laughs> or maybe you're just having a bad month or a bad year. Maybe things aren't going as you planned financially, as you had hoped for emotionally, spiritually. You just feel like you're at a dead end. You're into the valley of dry bones. But I have some good news for you this morning. Because when all this stuff happens that's a challenge in our life, all this negative stuff, God does not want you to face these challenges alone. The great news this morning is there is one who can come alongside of you, who is actually, if you're a believer, is actually living in you, that can help you face all the challenges in your life and will give you wisdom so you'll know what to do and will give you peace in your heart. And that someone, the Bible says, is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to John's Gospel, chapter 14. John 14. If you want to grab the Bible that's just right there in front of you, turn it to page 901, or you can follow along in the app this morning. Just give you a little bit of background for uh, this verse and another verse we're going to look at this morning from John's Gospel. This is the upper room discourse uh, passage of John's Gospel. Uh, Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples. Um, he's celebrating Passover with them. He's, he's installing Holy Communion for the first time and, and representing the, the body and the blood of Christ through the emblems that we'll get to take a little bit later in our service. And he's really kind of giving them a wisdom talk and a pep talk all at the same time because the disciples have spent you know, almost three years with Jesus here and, and, and he's telling them that he's going to leave. He's telling them that he's going to go. This is just hours before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and sweats blood. This is just hours before he's arrested in the middle of the night there. And he's taken and he's beaten. He's put on these false trials. And just a few hours after that, he's going to be dead. They're going to kill him. And so this is in those hours leading up to that. And in John, in John chapter 14, verse 26, and we're really going to go back to 25 here. It's in the red letters of the Bible. This is Jesus speaking. It says this. Jesus tells them in verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Notice that the Holy Spirit there at the beginning uh, verse 26 there is referenced as the helper. In some other Bible translations, you'll see the word there, uh, the counselor, the advocate, the aid, the comforter. But the idea here is that the Holy Spirit of God is coming to the disciples and is coming really truly to all believers and is going to be a helper, helper, a counselor, an aid, an advocate in our lives working in us and through us and working for us in our relationship with God. Look at John chapter 16. So if you're in 14, just turn over maybe a page there. John chapter 16, uh, verse 7. Jesus is still talking to the disciples here. It's still in the red letters. This is what he says to them. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is telling the disciples here that this is a good thing that I'm leaving because the helper to the comforter is going to come to you. And we need to understand this morning that the Holy Spirit is a part of the triune God, a part of the Godhead. We have God the Father, who we studied the first week of the series. We had God the Son and Jesus Christ, who we studied last week. And today is God the Holy Spirit. Because here's a concept that maybe you've heard of before, this concept of the Trinity. Maybe you've heard that before. It's the Trinity. Trinity of God. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The way I like to think of, the, of it is like this. The concept of Trinity equals tri-unity. Because there's perfect unity in the Godhead. There's three parts, but they're all functioning as one. They all come from the same place. They all belong to the same Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, if you uh, get with a Bible thumper that knows our Bible real well, maybe you've heard this before, someone will say, well, the Trinity is not in the Bible. That would actually be true. The word Trinity doesn't appear in Scripture in any of the original translations of the Bible. You won't see anything about the Trinity. But even though the word is not used there in Scripture, I would argue that you see the Trinity all throughout the Bible. You see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God in these three forms working together to bring about his desired end results. I'm going to share three of these real, real, quick, real quickly with you this morning. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this, and when this is the baptism of, of Jesus. It says, When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven, that's the voice of God, said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The Trinity is right there in that verse. Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and the voice of God, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19, Great Commission. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, the Trinity right there in one verse all together. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, in the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. In his second letter, it says this, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So again, we see right there in that verse, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, there are lots of thoughts that we could have about the Holy Spirit I remember having a lot of wacky thoughts about the Holy Spirit when I was a kid growing up because I was one of those kids that grew up in the church, so I was always in the church. And, and to be honest with you, I was, I was a little scared of the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand. Uh, for, for several years, I believed that the Holy Spirit was, uh, was part of God that, that made you speak in gibberish. If you've spoken gibberish or, or you know, some people call it a prayer language or whatever, that that was uh, somehow the Holy Spirit. Um, some, the Holy Spirit sometimes would make people do crazy things, you know, people, people get, get the Holy Spirit and when they're feeling the Spirit in their life, it makes them dance, it makes them move and wave their arms and gyrate, dance weirdly, you know, worship aerobics happens then, it's like praise Him five more, four more, three more, and you know, I always thought the Holy Spirit was something big and supernatural and miraculous, and He is, but I also learned that you can have the Holy Spirit and you don't have to have any of this kind of stuff that happens to have him. 
The Bible says that you recognize the Holy Spirit by, the, by its fruit in your life, and we're going to be talking about that in just a little bit. But I think we as Christians need to recognize who the Holy Spirit is. God's Holy Spirit is the indwelling of Him in our lives. It's the indwelling of His Spirit in our hearts. And as children, we can have these concepts that are just kind of out there. I remember having Sunday school teachers that were uh, KJV people. If you know K- KJV, King James Version of the Bible, KJV people. And they would be talking about the Holy Spirit when I was a child, and they would talk about the Holy Ghost. Anybody ever heard of the Holy Ghost? Okay? Just so you know, if you're a child here this morning, same thing as the Holy Spirit, just different wording, okay? But the Holy Ghost really scared me because I really thought the Holy Ghost was in the halls of the church when the lights were turned off. And the Holy Spirit of God like, came to like, cleanse the church and cleanse the hallways because of all the sinful people that were there, including myself. And so I did not like to be in the dark in the church. I especially did not like to be in the dark in the sanctuary in the church because of my belief that the Holy Ghost might come in a vision and, and, and kind of you know, scare me. I, I actually used to think that the Holy uh, Ghost would uh, roam the halls after Christmas Eve services. Like he, that he would come on Christmas Eve and that he would cleanse the, cleanse the church or maybe spook people that were trying to sneak around afterwards. You know, I always thought that maybe if people were sinning and they were like really bad sinning, like they said a bunch of cuss words that week or used the Lord's name in vain, that the Holy Spirit would come at the church and kind of scare them a little bit, you know, like, hey, don't do that anymore. I used to think that if you were uh, getting up from the sermon to go get a drink of water and you push the button in the water fountain and it squirts up your nose, that, that was the Holy Spirit telling you to get back in there. And, I mean, weird stuff, you know, we have all this weird stuff. But here's the interesting thing. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a person, and he's really not spooky at all, not, not scary at all. I mean, really, mysterious in some ways, in some ways, but not scary at all. And in John 14 through 16, in the Upper Room Discourse, the scriptures that we just read, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit in personal pronouns almost every time. He calls the Holy Spirit he or him over a dozen times in those chapters of the Bible. If you just go to the Greek lexicon, it's like the the Greek language dictionary for Greek words, and you look at the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, this is how it defines it. I'm just going to read directly from it. It says that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. The Holy Spirit is co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Son. Sometimes Holy Spirit is referred to in a way which emphasizes his personality and his character, i.e. the Holy part of the Spirit. Holy Spirit. Sometimes referred to in a way that emphasizes His work and His power. The Spirit of truth. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of power. But never referred to as a depersonalized force. The Holy Spirit isn't a force. It's a person. It's part of the triune God. Now this morning as we uh, continue. I just want to share several things. I'm going to do this really quickly this morning. So hopefully if you're taking notes, uh, you'll, you'll be able to, to, to stay up with us. If not, check it out on the app. But what does the Holy Spirit do according to Scripture? Because according to man, the Holy Spirit does a bunch of weird stuff that, that Scripture actually doesn't talk much about. And, and we have these experiences, and I believe that's just our longing to experience God. Is, is we, we call it, oh, the Holy Spirit made me, you know, do this or made me do that. And, and it's actually, we're looking for this experience of God. But 
We can experience God, and we can experience God through the Holy Spirit. But what does the Bible say about that? What does the Scripture reveal about this? And this list I'm giving you is rather lengthy. It is in no way an exhaustive list. Like, this is the only things that the Spirit does. But I would say these are some of the main things that I read in Scripture that the Holy Spirit does. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit actually dwells inside of believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells inside of you? The Holy Spirit actually dwells inside of you. The second thing the Holy Spirit does, according to Scripture, convicts people of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. In John's Gospel, chapter 16, that same passage, uh, when Jesus is is, uh, talking to the disciples here, it says, And when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there is nothing that you'll ever experience like a Holy Spirit conviction in your life. There's just nothing like it. Whether that conviction be a calling to go do something for the Lord or conviction of the sinfulness in your life, you will fall under the Holy Spirit's conviction at some point in your life. Now specifically here to this verse, we're talking about this conviction of people in their sin. So many times I think we as Christians, we try to be the Holy Spirit for people. And we try to convict people of sin. Now, the Bible does say that as believers, we're to confront one another if we see somebody going down the wrong path, doing the wrong thing. If they're a believer, we are called to confront them, but we're not called to be their Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is quite capable of convicting us of sin. I don't know if you've ever experienced that yourself, but there are times when I have chosen sin in my life, and I immediately fall under guilt and immediately fall under conviction. That's because the Holy Spirit is saying, Eric, you are not pleasing to God right now. You are not following and walking in the ways of Jesus Christ. You are, you are taking advantage of, of, of the, the mercy and the grace. You're not taking serious the price that Jesus had to pay on the cross for your sin, and we fall under this conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. We're going to talk about how that applies to us later. The third thing, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. It helps us pray. Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, that scripture right there, I could preach a whole sermon on just that scripture right there, but I just want to highlight just a couple things. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. When you are weak, He is in full strength, and so He's going to help us. He also intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray. You ever been in that spot in your life where, you know, so much going on, you're like, man, I don't even know how to pray anymore. I just want, you feel like, man, I just want to cry out to God. I'm just going to, you know, beat my chest. I'm going to cry out to God. And and I don't know, you know, what's going to happen. I don't know what the next step is. I can't see down the line. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I, I have anxiety. I don't know what's coming next. And when you cry out to God and pray and you don't really know what to pray, the Spirit himself is interceding for you. And he's doing it. What does it say at the end of that verse? He's doing it according to the will of God. 
The Spirit is not going to ask God to bring things into your life that are not God's will. So it's awesome when we are walking with the Spirit. The Spirit is helping us stay in the will of God, but also helping us to pray. The thing that the Holy Spirit does for us is the Holy Spirit seals us. The Holy Spirit seals us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It also talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 4. Several times out in Scripture, it talks about the Holy Spirit being the seal of our salvation. Being the one that comes when we are saved. And it's like God is sealing the Holy Spirit within us and on our heart. The Holy Spirit seals us. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit guides us. When I talk to people... Most of the time when they come and, and they talk to me about anything going on in their life, they're mostly seeking guidance. They're mostly seeking, what does God want me to do? But the Holy Spirit guides us. Guides us better than man can ever guide us. John chapter 16, verse 13 says this. It says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears... He will speak, and he will declare to you things that are to come. Sometimes we get at this point in our life where we feel like, man, I just can't go any further. I don't know what's next. I don't know what the next step is. I've got a plumbing leak. What do I do? Can we take a big hole in the hallway? Do we go up overhead? Spirit is going to guide us. Spirit is going to give us wisdom. That's a very superficial example. Let's talk about a real-life example here. The Spirit is guiding you when you tell other people about Jesus Christ. The Spirit is guiding you when you are to be kind to someone, show benevolence to someone. The Spirit guides us in all of those things. And He's not going to guide us against the will of God. He's going to come to us with a Spirit of truth that will guide us into all truth, which is where we all desire to be anyway. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit empowers us the Holy Spirit empowers us. All the guys should like this one. Make you feel muscular, make you grunt a few times. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, Jesus, right before he ascends to heaven to go be with the Father, uh, he's talking to the disciples, and Acts 1, 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Did you catch this? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you to do what? It says to be my witnesses. You see, a lot of times we think, well, this whole thing about praying for my one and, and, and I'm thinking about others and, and, and all of this, you know what? I just don't have any power really to save anyone. You don't. But the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what God has asked us to do, which is to share the gospel. And it's right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you so that you will be my witnesses. You will bear witness. You will bear testimony. So many times I think that we, we, don't, we don't trust the Lord to give us the power to accomplish what he's asked us to do. And he does that through the Holy Spirit living within us. Another thing the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit cleanses us. The Holy Spirit cleanses us. 
You know, I, I've worked outside some on Friday and worked outside some uh, yesterday, and it was extremely hot. And if you just walk outside the door for more than nine seconds, you will sweat. It's amazing. Um, and, and through doing all that, my body, the way that it reacts is it sweats a lot. Um, and and uh, what happens is, is I get this stench about me, you know. It's the sweaty smell. It's the sweaty smell. And, and my wife and, and my kids can attest to this because they're like, ooh, Dad, you stink. You know, and one of my favorite things to do is to get in the shower afterwards and put on some soap and get to smelling right again. Because, you know, after you smell wrong for a while, it's, it's time to go and, and make yourself right. There's something that feels good about being clean, though, right? Anytime you get cleansed from anything, it feels good. The Holy Spirit cleanses us. Listen to this, Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. It says this, it says that he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, I know that's a lot to consume. Again, I could preach a sermon just on those, those three verses right there. But what I want you to get from that is that God saved us not because we've done some works in righteousness, but according to his mercy, his love, his graciousness toward us. And then the cleansing, purification, sanctification process comes by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in our lives to purify us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness, to change us into be people, into being people that are more like Jesus, so that we look and maybe even smell more like Jesus. He cleanses us. The Holy Spirit also teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. John 14, 26, the first uh, verse that we looked at this morning together, says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you some things? No. It says he will teach you what? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Do you know how comforting that was to one of the disciples? The disciples had run around with Jesus for years, and Jesus is telling them, hey, I'm going to leave, but it's good that I'm going to leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come. And then he tells them, but the Holy Spirit, he's a helper, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the aid, the comforter, the one that you need, whom the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all things. You're going to know everything that you need to know to live the Christian life, and he's going to bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And what's amazing about this is we see this truth come about in the book of Acts. But I want to share one more scripture before we get there. Luke chapter 12, 11 and 12. Luke's gospel, chapter 12. Jesus, again, is talking to the disciples here. He says this, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now understand, do you see, if you read your Bible, if you know your Bible at all, Luke chapter 12, do you see that in the book of Acts? Did the disciples not get before the synagogue, before the Sanhedrin, before the authorities, the rulers, the Romans? They were in trials and under persecution all the time. And Jesus, way back here in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, Jesus tells them that you're not going to be anxious about defending the faith 
and defending yourself in these times because the Holy Spirit is going to teach you, and the Holy Spirit could teach you in that very hour, in that very moment, exactly what you need to say. Now, here's the challenge for us today. I don't know anybody in here that's on trial for their faith right now. I don't know any of you that are going to go to court this week for some kind of persecution, have the threat of being thrown in prison because you love Jesus so much. I, I just don't know that that's happening today like that. But here's the thing is, some of us are thought of, well, I don't know what to say, so I don't share my faith with anyone. It negates evangelism that we don't believe that the Holy Spirit can't teach us. And I'm here to challenge you this morning to think about, could the Holy Spirit working in your life teach you in that very hour, just like it taught the disciples in that very hour, and give you exactly the words that you need to reach someone for him? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what else do have we already studied about the Holy Spirit? He's going to empower us. If we're praying about the situation, oh, man, I don't know how to pray for this person. He's going to pray for us. He's going to intercede for us. Do you see it? God is almost making it so easy on us to follow him because he gives us a piece of him in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. And the Holy Spirit teaches us and gives us the things that we need, the spirit of truth in our lives. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit imparts spiritual gifts to us. When you become a Christian, you receive at least one spiritual gift. Some people maybe two or three spiritual gifts. But God gives you a, a spiritual gift that you're to use to bless and to use for the kingdom of God and to bless and use for others. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 says it this way. It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard while God also bore witnesses by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. You see, according to the will of God, he gives us spiritual gifts through the Holy Spirit. He's giving us these gifts and we're to use them for the kingdom's work. And some of you have gifts of teaching and some of you have gifts of singing, and some of you have gifts of mercy that you just feel merciful toward, merciful toward people. And, and this is something else. We could study this for a long time. But God gives us, as believers, all at least one spiritual gift through the Holy Spirit. And we're to use that to serve Him. The Holy Spirit imparts spiritual gifts to us. And the last one I'm going to share with you this morning is that the Holy Spirit causes us to bear fruit. The Holy Spirit causes us to bear fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, probably familiar with this, but it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, what does that mean that it's fruit of the Spirit? What, what the fruit is, is it's evidence. Like if you were an apple tree and you grew apples, what's the evidence that you're an apple tree? It's apples, right? You know, if you're an orange tree and you put out some orange blossoms and then they become oranges, what's the evidence that you're an orange tree? You grow oranges. Same thing here. What is the evidence of the Holy Spirit of God being in your life and working in your life and working through your life? It is fruit. And the fruit, Scripture says, is that you'll be more loving. You'll be more joyful. You'll have more peace. You'll have more patience. You'll have more kindness. You'll be a gentle person. You'll have self-control. And these things will be on the increase in your life because they're fruit of the Spirit being involved in your life. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, I've just shared with you ten things 
that the Holy Spirit does in our life. And like I said earlier, this is not an exhaustive list. But I want you to ask some questions this morning, because it's one thing to know this stuff. It's one thing to understand it cerebrally. But it's a whole other thing to apply it. And so I want you to just pause for a second this morning. Just go with me for a couple minutes here and think about some of these questions. How many of you would say that these Holy Spirit things, this list of ten I just gave you, that we're talking about, are happening in your life right now? How many of you would say the Holy Spirit, these things are happening in my life right now? How many of you feel like the Holy Spirit is teaching you right now? How many of you feel led that the Holy Spirit is teaching you right now? How many of you feel the Spirit's power? You are feeling its power because you have this boldness and this courage that you've never had before to share your faith. And you'll just walk up to people and love on them and talk to them. And how many of you are feeling that's happening in your life right now? How many of you are feeling the Spirit's power? Let me ask you another question. When was the last time you felt really convicted of your sin? I mean, really convicted of the way you talk to people, the way that you treat people, of what you do or what you do not do, of what you participate in, what you don't participate in. When was the last time you really felt convicted of your sin? When was the last time you took an inventory of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And you looked at that list there, and you said, you know what? That's increasing in my life because I'm walking with the Lord, and, and I'm allowing the Spirit to grow me. Or maybe you say, man, I do not feel like that's growing at all. You see, the problem with most Christians, I believe, is we do not allow the Holy Spirit to do the work He wants to do in our lives. We will throw sinfulness in there or whatever else we need to do to stop God's work there. And just like He doesn't force us to be saved, He's not going to force us to walk in the Spirit. We live a life of no action of the Spirit of God because we choose that we do not want the Spirit's action in our life. And then as we close, I want to share this. 1 Peter 2.2. 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says this. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you will grow up in your salvation. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you will. It's part of our maturity process that we would crave spiritual things. That we would crave spiritual things that feed our soul because that is how we grow and that is how how we mature. So when was the last time that you craved spiritual things? That you craved spiritual growth to the point that maybe it affected your schedule, maybe it affected the priorities of your life, that you actually cleared the calendar to make something spiritual happen. That you took the time to allow change and spiritual feeding and spiritual growth in your life. I've said it many times before because I think it is so true and it's something that reminds me often. If the devil can't make you bad, he's going to make you busy because he wants to distract you and make you feel like you don't have time for God. And that's his game plan. If I could just fill their lives with television and media and podcasts and and video games and online games and all this stuff, I can keep them from a deeper spiritual life. And this Holy Spirit stuff, none of it will happen. 
And a lot of people think, well, man, this stuff happens like it did in the book of Acts. You just don't see that anymore. Why don't we see it anymore? Is that God's fault? Has he changed? Does he not want to work some of these things out in our life? Or is it us and our focus and our sinfulness? Because I believe God wants to work. I believe God wants to change us. God wants you on a trajectory where you're always growing to become more like Jesus. And if you're in a season right now where you're not, then I want to challenge you to examine why you're not. And I want you to start praying. And when you start praying, understand the Holy Spirit that's in you is going to start groaning to God and begging God on your behalf to get you back closer to home. Because we miss so much of what God wants to do in us and through us and with us in our lives because we're not moving his direction. We're not following his leading in our life. You know, when Jesus came to earth, he was given a title. Uh, We use it at Christmas a lot. He was called Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel literally means God with us. And I'm thinking, God with us, I mean, what could be better than that? I mean, when Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, it's good that I'm leaving. It's like God with us leaving is not good. But you know why it is good? It's because you went with Jesus from God with us to the Holy Spirit, God in us. And through the Holy Spirit, God's even closer than he's ever been before. In the book of Acts chapter 2, right after the Holy Spirit had come for the first time, on the disciples, the followers of Jesus that he had trained, that he'd been with, Peter begins to preach a sermon. This is the same Peter that, you know, couldn't testify that he even knew Jesus, denied Jesus three times. Oh, now he's going to proclaim truth, okay? But this is what happens when the Holy Spirit starts working in someone's life. In Acts chapter 2, he preaches this sermon, and it cuts the people of Jerusalem to the heart. He's in Jerusalem. A crowd is gathered because he's just like a street preacher, and he's just preaching it, and he's just preaching it, and he's just preaching it. And he lays out the gospel plain as day for people to to hear. And it says in the verses preceding Acts 2.38 that the people were cut to the heart and that many of them believed in Jesus Christ and wanted to put their faith in him. And they cried out to Peter and they said, Peter, what must we do? What what do we need to do to save us from our lives of sin and to accept Christ? And this is what he said in Acts 2.38. He says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think in that moment when people realize that they need to repent of their sin, they need to be baptized by water as a symbolic washing away of sins, being raised to walk in newness of life, the forgiveness of their sins, that they're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, and you begin to open yourself up to that and you begin to live it, you'll find out that God actually is closer than he's ever been before. Because God's not up there, and not even Emmanuel, God with us, but with the Holy Spirit, it's God in us. Let's pray.